Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. He's Arthur Dong, distinguished teaching professor at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business, joining me in Influence today to answer the question What do businesses need to understand of the developments in the US China trade war? Professor Dong, welcome to Singapore. It's my pleasure, Michelle. Thank you for having me here today. Can you share a little bit about what you're doing with human capital in terms of curating these seven masterclasses for businesses? Yes, I'm here visiting Singapore on behalf of Human Capital Singapore, running a master class for business executives here in Singapore discussing and focusing on this topic of U.S.-China trade and U.S.-China trade relationships and also inferring in terms of what the latest developments are coming from and emanating from Washington, D.C. So with the phase one of U.S.-China trade war deal announced last Friday, we saw very tepid reaction from markets on the business front. What do businesses need to understand about what's happened most recently? Yeah, uh, to give you a medical analogy, uh, the patient has been stabilized, but the patient still has a long-term illness. So the illness has not been resolved in any way. So the uh, trade deal, the phase one trade deal, uh, as anticipated by the markets, is a rather light one. But there are very, very large looming questions that will continue to vex uh, this U.S.-China trade relation. When it comes to understanding the U.S.-China trade war, where should one start? One should start uh, perhaps with this understanding that uh, what has occurred over the past year and a half uh, there will not be a sort of breakthrough resolution that these problems that exist between the United States and China will continue to persist and indeed continue to persist beyond the November 2020 elections. Has there been a shift in U.S. perception of China and is that at the root of the U.S.-China trade war? Yeah, Michelle, I think you've hit that uh, on the head. What's going on in Washington now and there's a perception that is shared in a bipartisan way across the two large uh, political parties in the United States at every level of government, the executive, the legislative, and uh, within every agency of the United States, there is a shift in perception that we're dealing with the new China. And this perception is pretty much colored uh, with this uh, view uh, that has now become the official view of the United States that China is a strategic competitor to the United States. If you could put your finger on it, when did the policy of accommodation uh, shift? I would say around 2017. It's the first time we heard official statements from both the White House and from the executive branch that they have labeled China as a strategic competitor. All right, 2017 it is. What do companies need to understand about the ongoing U.S.-China trade war, do you think, particularly here in Singapore? I think as the trade frictions continue uh, between these two uh, large trading partners, there will be consequences all over the world as uh, there's a significant reset between the United States and China. Mm. The dimensions in which this challenge will occur will occur across economic boundaries, across political boundaries, and most importantly, across technological boundaries. And in terms of businesses, you know, looking at the dampened global trade, what do businesses need to understand about their place in the ecosystem of trade? I think supply chains around the world are going to be reordered. If you have any exposure as a Singaporean company to Hong Kong, Hong Kong's exclusive and special trade status is now under question, 
and can be revoked at any time. And so if you have uh, operations that in some way touch Hong Kong, I would be cautious and try to map out potential risk scenarios if Hong Kong's trade uh, exclusivity and those privileges disappear. Also, I think what's going to happen is Singaporean companies and CEOs here are going to have to take a step back and evaluate whether or not they need a foreign policy. In other words, that go beyond the official state policy of Singapore and examine for themselves what their foreign policies are vis-a-vis the United States and China. I've said many times that Singapore is in a unique position. They are, in a sense, a sandwiched economy. On the one hand, you can't offend China. And on the other hand, you can't offend the United States. Mm. So companies and CEOs now are going to have to adopt their own foreign policies and start to really think through what the potential consequences will be, what their policies will be vis-a-vis these two great trade nations. That's really interesting, the question of whether or not businesses need a foreign policy beyond the state's foreign policy. In the business world, for example, we've seen business leaders become muted when it comes to a comment to do with Hong Kong in recent days for fear of offending China. Can you share perhaps what you've heard on the ground since you've been in Singapore in terms of a reaction to business leaders developing a foreign policy of their own? Yeah, I think there's a great deal of uncertainty. The best that I can confer is to offer Singaporean leaders as well as corporate leaders some indication in terms of what the mindset is and what what is motivating these policy changes and how deep these policy changes and perceptions Mm. with regard to China, you know, uh, really go. And indeed, we are entering a new phase in terms of the U.S.-China relation because what we're seeing is bipartisan support in terms of viewing China as a strategic rival. Are there any case studies you can share of businesses or companies that have developed their own foreign policies? Well, company being this is a very sort of active and dynamic space, uh, companies are scrambling right now uh, trying to figure that out and trying to put all the pieces together. They're looking at this phase one trade agreement, mm. and that certainly uh, is giving a certain degree of calm and certainly reflected in the markets. Mm. But I think long term, it would be uh, misguided to think that the problems that exist and the challenges that exist between these two great powers are in any way resolved. Let's help companies understand a little of the terms that have been bandied about when business leaders do talk about the U.S.-China trade war. We've heard uh, some leaders talk about a decoupling of the U.S. from China. What does this mean and what will the long-term impact of this be? Yeah, I would suggest that given uh, my perspectives on what's going on in Washington, D.C., and certainly the views that have been expressed by economic advisor Peter Navarro, who is indeed a trade hawk, there has been strong advocacy for a complete delinking and separation between the United States and China. And certainly we're going to see that on the technology front. Very aggressive measures are now being proposed and implemented in the United States that will severely hamper the ability for any company to either share or, in a sense, transfer technology to China. In the old days, just a few years ago, it would have been easy to buy and send to China a CNC milling machine, a very typical machine tool that's used in manufacturing processes. Moving forward today, as a result of both sanctions and export controls, it's going to be very difficult to even send something as basic as a milling machine to China. And so if you're thinking about advanced technologies like AI, cloud computing, Mm. uh, data management, uh, all of these things are going to come under severe, severe limitation 
and scrutiny and indeed the surveillance aspects of this in the, in, within Washington, D.C. have been stepped up considerably. China's seen as uh, the leader, the forefront of the AI race or the technological race. Professor, will this decoupling lead to this gap widening between the U.S. and China in terms of who's ahead? Absolutely. You're going to see two worlds and two spheres exist, both the Eastern and the Western, a China-led AI space as well as an American-led or European-led AI space, and those domains are not going to cross. So interesting. Professor Arthur Dong is Distinguished Teaching Professor at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business, joining us in Influence today. Professor, who are the biggest winners and losers in the trade war as it stands, as you see it? Yes, certainly the global economy has been, in a sense, uh, a bit of a loser uh, in that we've seen a downdraft in foreign direct investment across the world by by an order of magnitude of about 20%. I think the American consumer is certainly feeling the pain as a result of increased tariffs, and the farm economy in the United States is certainly taking a severe hit as a result of China's decision to restrict its importation of American farm products. And within China itself, uh, there's, I think, both anecdotal evidence that suggests that China's economy is slowing down, raising the prospects and concerns uh, that uh, uh, there will be some ripple effects across the Chinese economy. We're minutes away from the vote on the impeachment over in the U.S. Is this going to have any effect whatsoever on the U.S.-China trade war, do you think? Uh, Certainly moving forward, there are many sort of stages that are still uh, in the waiting with regard to further discussions regarding U.S.-China trade. And in my opinion, I believe President Trump will not survive the House of Representatives, and I think he will be impeached. But the question now moving forward is whether or not the U.S. Senate will offer him some degree of protection and allow him to remain in place. So these are all sort of multidimensional, both political elements that are, again, clouding and weighing in. Uh, on the U.S.-China trade uh, debate moving forward. Professor, are there misconceptions about the trade war that you would like to debunk? Misconceptions, yeah, several. Uh, One of them is the the scorecard element. I mean, who's winning, who's losing? IMF data suggests that actually uh, that China's exports has not really been hurt. In fact, China's exports have increased in the last year by 3 to 5 percent. But what what it does suggest is that China's probably redirecting its exports away from the United States and finding new opportunities and new markets elsewhere. So IMF data suggests that, uh, you know, has China really been hurt in terms of their export progress? It doesn't seem so. The other question is with regard to the decline of manufacturing in China. Is manufacturing now considered dead as a result of the trade war? Well, not really. Uh, Since uh, 2014, uh, there's been a steady decline in manufacturing uh, in China. And so uh, the steady decline in manufacturing uh, has uh, has really nothing to do with the current trade war. And uh, manufacturing and the decline of manufacturing within China is part of a very normal pattern. In other words, 55% of China's economy is now involved in services and less than 30% is now involved in manufacturing. So that's a very sort of healthy uh, sort of uh, observation that China's economy is developing in a sense in in a very normal pattern in that uh, they're becoming less and less dependent on manufacturing and diversifying more and more into services.
Professor, your masterclass series kicks off today. You're here in Singapore at the invitation of Human Capital Singapore. What can participants uh, take away from the series? Yeah, we're going to learn. About, I'm going. We're going to learn as participants uh, how to, uh, in a sense, think about uh, adjusting to these new realities between the United States and China. What the impact will be on Singaporean companies and and uh, Singaporean management. Uh, talking longer term in terms of what the secondary and tertiary implications are as this trade war continues to persist. Well, thank you for giving us this exclusive preview. Michelle, it's a pleasure. He's Professor Arthur Dong, Distinguished Teaching Professor at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business in Influence. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.